you happy? Yes. You have good reason to be because God is very for you. Hallelujah. I love Fridays. I just love the opportunity just for the Holy Spirit to minister to me personally. I get so ministered to. Wasn't worship beautiful? <gasps> so lovely. If you are new, uh, we, we worship here not as a warm-up for something else. Worship is like having dessert first. It's, a, it's, a, it's the main event because we've come to engage with God and come to be with Him because He can do more in His presence with His words than we could ever imagine. I was converted in worship myself, in worship one day just as a teenager on a youth camp actually. And we have a youth camp coming up in September. But as I was worshipping, I just, I got real with God. I was so used to seeing everybody lift their hands. I'd been raised in Sunday school. But the first time I actually got real and I said, basically, I, I can't just keep doing this. I can't see you and I don't know you. I believe in you, God, but I can't see you and I don't know you. And it, I, need, I need help because in my own childish way I was just trying to say I have no connection here and and I can't just keep going through the motions I've got to know you and in that moment everything changed I, I was completely converted God came into my life and you know I believe that worship every worship service the father is wanting to reveal himself more and more. It doesn't have to be a one-off experience. I expect to know God more through worship every time I come, every time I go to worship him. I'm not doing it out of an, an obligation. I'm here going, I get to engage with the one who is real. Hallelujah. And uh, so that's why we like to make sure that we take time in worship, that we, are, that we are respectful of one another in worship and we make room. That's why I like encourage people to come out the front so that you don't feel constricted or confined. You can kneel or dance, whatever you feel to do. And you don't have to be like anybody else. You're free to be you. So long as you are free to truly worship God without the fear of what anybody else is thinking. Hallelujah. Because we're called to engage with God. And whatever that look, looks like, that is the primary purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's so good to be in a church where people love to worship God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we fix our eyes on you, for you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, we love you. Father, we worship you. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. 
Father, we love you. Jesus, we're so thankful for your sacrifice. We're so thankful for your love for us. God, truly enlighten the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Let us be fully aware and fully awake, God. Father, we give you worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. I just want to begin tonight with a scripture um, from Matthew chapter 24. You know, you turn on the news and you'll see a lot of bad news. And a lot of people can get very disturbed, very concerned, very troubled about what they're seeing. And it is, it's grievous when, when there's wars and rumors of wars and death and terror There's terrible news. There's countries around the world that used to be open to the gospel that have shut the doors and have shut down evangelism. There's people being killed. There's there's horrible things to look at. But you know, it says here in Matthew 24, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. They'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now this isn't a passage that you'll hear very frequently preached anymore from pulpits. People say, don't be negative. I want to tell you, the world around you is terribly negative. But we have something that is so wonderful, and that is hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. I want to say to you today, see that you are not troubled. Because we don't have to think And exist like the world does. We have a hope that passes knowledge. We have a peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. And the Lord wants us to recognize, yeah, this stuff is going to happen. Don't be surprised. But recognize that I am the hope of the nations. That I want you to keep the main thing the main thing. The reason he tells us to set our minds on things above is because he wants to keep us focused on the why, the whole purpose of why we are here. To love him and to love others. To love him, to worship him, and to take the gospel to all the nations of the earth. Amen? Wonderful Jesus. I want to encourage you. The heart of God is so much for us. If you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Who's been reading their Bibles?
Word of God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Without it, you will start to stumble around in the darkness. We have this incredible gift. It's called the Word of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit is so much in this, in this time, which I believe is the last days. We need more than ever to be taking it in, chewing on it, meditating on it, and applying it to our lives because it is the Word of God. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've not been called to fear. You've not been called to worry. Not been called to hate. You, my dear friends, have been called to liberty, to freedom. That's what you've been called to. To walk free from fear, free from shame, free from guilt. Hallelujah. You, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, this magnificent gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the good news of Jesus, the fact that as born again believers, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We've been set free from sin. Hallelujah. We've been set free from bondage and we have the joy of knowing that, praise God, we have been crucified with him, buried with him, raised with him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. I am a new creation. The day that I was born again, the day that I was converted, from that time on, when I got home, my mother said, something's different about you. And I was never the same again. You know, we become new creations when we're born again. As um, humans, we are born of the seed of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, through sin, became corrupted. And we all are born with a corrupted nature. But that's why Jesus came, so that we could be born again of him who is called the last Adam. So that we could be born again by the Spirit and made new creations without a corrupted nature anymore. We're able now to become the righteousness of God in Christ. As we exchange our life, we receive his. As we exchange our sin, we receive his righteousness. We're not just forgiven, we've given, been given a new nature. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, which is our crookedness. Because Christ can't be unequally yoked. With anything that is less than holy. And so Jesus made a way. The Father sent his Son to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hooray! Hallelujah! This is the good news of the gospel. And in this magnificent news, we have freedom. We are made in the image of God and we still have freedom to choose. We have Freedom every day to choose how we're going to walk. And the Lord wants to encourage us to use our liberty wisely, to use it well. Amen? 
So he says, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. We don't go around saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and then behave however we like and, and call what is evil good. We like to recognize it's so important that if you do something wrong, you don't just whitewash it. You say, thank you, God, for helping me see, for giving me a conscience that can respond and say, that was wrong. I'm sorry. I, I give it to you and I thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that your blood cleanses me, that I don't have to carry the guilt and the shame of that anymore. But you have given me power now to be different. That is not who I am and that is not how I am created to behave. I've been given power to be different. Hallelujah. And we have freedom to reject what is wrong and to embrace what is right. Hallelujah. Sin no longer has any power over us. Hallelujah. We don't have to be afraid, oh, it's good, it's good for me. No, it doesn't. You're not alive anymore. No longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you and he is not bothered by sin's attempts. But we have freedom to choose to align ourselves with that reality. Hallelujah. But we're called not to use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. We don't, we don't uh, indulge the flesh and, and the, sin, uh, the sinful nature of the, of the world is not something we're to go back to. Not to start to be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the washing of the word. Hallelujah. By beholding him and remembering, ah, thank you God, that's what I look like. That's the truth. Thank you, Jesus. As I remember what I look like, I look like you because it's no longer me who lives but Christ who lives in me. I begin to walk freely. And through the, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now we've talked about this before, but now, if you don't love yourself like God loves you, what hope have you got of loving anybody else? To the level that you will love yourself is the level that you limit your ability to love others. If the Lord says, you are altogether lovely, you are pure, you are righteous, you are holy, you are clean, you are forgiven, there is no condemnation for you. You, by faith, have to say, Lord, even if my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. I choose to walk by faith, not by feelings, and I believe your words. And then you apply it to your own heart and go, wow, that's good. And he wants you to come to the place where you can look in the mirror and like what you see. Where you don't think about yourself as, like, well, you know, just sort of tolerate yourself. Because he doesn't just tolerate you. He looks at you and absolutely adores you. You think, well, hang on, I don't know if I'm comfortable about this loving yourself thing. Hey, until you get comfortable about it, you're never going to be able to love people properly. God looks at you and he keeps telling you, oh, you're so beautiful. It's like the bride in the Song of Songs. He says, I'm dark. He says, but you're lovely. I feel the dark, it drives the desert tents of the nomads. And the Lord says, but you're as beautiful as the fine linen curtains in the holy place. 
That's the reality of how God looks at us, even when we feel dark, even when we feel... Mm. He says, I want you to know this is the truth. You are holy, you are clean, you are lovely, you are redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we hear these words, we go, yes, it's nice, please say it again. Let me hear it again. And it's nice, it's a really lovely thing. Who enjoys words of affirmation? One of my love languages, I love words of affirmation. But you know, these are words that the Lord speaks to us, not just to help us feel better. Sometimes we can maintain an, an attitude of, I'm going to feel better about myself, but I'm going to just keep letting other people tell me good things because it will just sort of sustain me. God is looking for us to take his words at face value and actually begin to take it in and receive it. You see, faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when he looks at you and says, you're so lovely, he doesn't want you to go, no, no, you don't really mean it. Thank you, but no, I'm so terrible. That's, that's sort of a bit of a British heritage that we, we have adopted into our culture, isn't it, really? You know, someone gives you a compliment, oh, well, you know. And you make some sort of excuse. Anyone know what I'm talking about? God doesn't want that. That's not kingdom culture. That is human nature. God gives you a compliment, says lovely things about you, not just to flatter you. He says it because it is truth and he wants it to go down into your innermost being. He wants you to think about it, meditate on it until it actually becomes part of your identity so that you can love yourself and then love others. If you're judging yourself, oh, I'm a terrible person, just say a sinner saved by grace, then how are you going to view everybody else around you? Well, you're just a sinner saved by grace too. <laughs> and there becomes little mercy, little opportunity for love and friendship and true joy and freedom when you are viewing people with the same lens that you view yourself. But in yourself, if you've become free by the blood of the Lamb, if you've actually gone, <laughs> thank you, God, and allowed it to so impact and infiltrate your life that you can actually wake up feeling good about yourself, you can look in the mirror and go, I like me. Not because of my works or my efforts, but because I am genuinely likable. I am so likable. I am, I am lovable. I have proof. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. He loves me so much that he gave his only begotten son for me. This isn't arrogance. This isn't pride. This is faith. And until you actually begin to embrace it, the world around you is missing out. I think this is better preaching than you're responding to. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's a command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do you feel about yourself? How do you love yourself? I want to encourage you. I think we all need to love ourselves a little better. Now, you might know some people that are very arrogant or very proud, but let me tell you, they're probably not loving themselves well. They're probably feeling a little insecure 
about the fact that they don't really feel and know and believe that they are loved. Therefore have to try and prove it to everybody. Somebody that actually, actually loves themselves like God loves them has nothing to prove. Has no names they need to drop, nothing that they need to say to make you like them better because they don't need your approval. When you receive the love of Christ and allow him to love you as, as he loves you, as you begin to receive and believe what he feels about you, you get set free from the fear of man. Because the fear of man is all about rejection. And when you know that you are loved and you are accepted, rejection no longer has a hold on you. He loves you, oh how he loves you. I think that if we all took more time to actually let God love us, this world would be a better place. You know, we encourage people to take time every day to worship God. I used to wonder what this whole worship business was about, really. I thought, why does God want us to tell him how good he is all the time? You know, I don't quite understand that. That doesn't sort of fit with the... I don't get that. Why? You know, I thought, like, Jesus was humble. Like, what's the deal? I couldn't quite get it. Why do you want us to praise you? Just don't understand it. But, you know... I, as I grew, I began to understand that worship isn't about God demanding praise. It's God inviting us into a divine embrace. Worship is actually lover's talk. It's where we go, oh, I love you so much. And he goes, oh, I love you so much. And then we go, oh. He goes, yeah, come here. Go on, pray for strength so I can love you some more. <laughs> Worship is not a one-sided thing. Worship is not what we would imagine in terms of people bowing down to an idol and giving homage. That is nothing like the worship that we have been called to. We've been called to worship that's in, in spirit and in truth. That is, worship where the Holy Spirit... It's enlightening the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of Jesus who is the truth. Enlightening the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of who God is. So that we can have a genuine heart response that goes, Oh, I see you. You're so lovely. You're real. I believe in you. And he comes and goes, Ah, oh, yes, you I am. I love you. And our hearts melt and they become undone in his presence and we feel finally safe. I was, as I was getting ready to go to sleep last night, I was having some thoughts. I was thinking about righteousness and holiness and the call that God has for each one of us to, to walk righteous. As you go on and, and read here in the scripture, it, it talks about the works of the flesh and it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And I was thinking about people, thinking, what is it that 
motivates people when they feel betrayed, when people in the church let them down or, or something happens? What is it that motivates them to want to choose what is right? You know, a lot of people would, you know, could possibly say, well, I, you know, I follow God and I choose what's right because that's the right thing to do. And that's, that's good. But when things start to come against you, when you get disappointed, when things happen, what is it? What is your why? And as I thought about this, the why is so important in that, in that context. In that when things get difficult, why do you do what you do? Why do you love him? Peter got asked this question, really, when everything was sort of not looking so good and it was not very popular to be a follower of Jesus. And everyone was leaving. And Jesus looked at them and said, are you guys going to go too? And Peter looked back at him and he said, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. But you know, I thought about my why. I thought, you know, why do I do what I do? Why do I choose? Why do I choose to pay the price? Why do I, why do I follow God? Why do people, businessmen, students, what, what motivates them? What's the, the reason? What is their reason for continuing to choose to follow God, to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. And the why really came down to, for me, is that in Christ is the only place I have found true peace, true joy, and true life. Truly, when it all comes down to it, He alone is life for me. I've found life. I've found life in Him and nobody can take it away from me. I have found life. I have found the way, the truth and the life. He's not a concept or a philosophy. He is my life. He is the one and only who has ever been able to make me come alive. And you know, I believe that in this time that we're living in, this world that we're living in, we need to be so consciously aware of our why. Because we live in this incredibly beautiful country where we have liberties and freedoms that others in other countries could only dream of. We have the freedom, and it's like Jesus said, that while, we, while it's day, we can work the works of the Father. A time is coming, night is coming when no one can work. We're living in the daytime right now. We have this incredible freedom here. We have beautiful opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. We can freely serve God. We can freely gather without fear. But you know, if a time came where we were not able to do that, what would be your why? What would be your why for sharing the gospel? What would be your why for worshipping him, for choosing him, for choosing to follow him when it would be so much easier in the natural 
just to go with the way of the world. Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to breathe on that truth so powerfully now so that you can have it in every season of life. When discouragement comes, you come back to the why. When you're tempted even to get into complacency, you come back to the why. Because you are the way, the truth and the life. You alone have the words of life. Hallelujah. He says here in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against their, such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hallelujah. You're no longer a slave to sin. Hallelujah. If we who live in the spirit, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I like this. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. That's just emphasizing the reality of our freedom to choose. Every day you get to choose how you are going to spend the gift of life that you have been given today. You can choose to live it selfishly. You can choose to live it for yourself. Or you can choose to live as one who has lost their life to find his. You can choose to live your life as one who has been co-crucified with him, raised up with him, seated with him. You can choose to reckon yourself dead and alive to Christ. Or you can choose to live however you, however you choose. The Bible says, today I put before you life and death. Choose life. You know, we need to be a people who stand up and begin to recognize this liberty that we've been given is an invitation that we need to walk out. It's for liberty that you've been set free. But if you choose not to walk in the advantages and the privileges of that liberty, the privileges of that liberty is to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. You have power to exercise joy and peace when your emotions don't want to go that way. You have liberty 
to be able to exercise. You have power to exercise it, but you must be aware of the reality of your freedom to choose. So often we buy into the lie that we are still mere humans who, you know, we just have good days and bad days. But the Bible says we are not even to think like mere humans anymore. Why are you behaving like mere humans? Because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. God has given you freedom not to be conformed to the pattern of the world, which says, well, you know, you're just human. You've been given power to actually walk as one that is supernatural. One that is born again of the Spirit of God. One that now who lives in you, it is Christ himself. Hallelujah. And we have freedom to walk in, in that powerful liberty. But we have freedom also to look to him to help us shed his love, shed his peace abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we can have the why of w the reason that we are living, the why of, the, of why we choose what is right to dictate to us the goal of our everyday. Now, if your goal is to love him and to love people, then we've got to make sure that that is actually being applied to our everyday world. Sometimes people, they get these ministry ideas. I'm called to ministry. I'm called to win souls and to heal the sick. And that's awesome. Every one of us are called to that. But some people get the idea, yes, you know, and they, they get on the, um, on the ladder climbing thinking, well, you know, I need to get in favor with the pastor and I need to do this. And, blah, blah, blah. and we get our focus so much on an end result that we actually forget that we are not living from the why in the moment. If your why is all about seeing people reconciled to God, then you're not going to wait until you've climbed some ladder and been given a pulpit when the reality is that you're given an opportunity every single moment of your life. You have freedom to, as to how you use the influence that you've been given. None of you here are locked in a solitary confinement cell. You have freedom, every single one of you, to actually influence somebody, to minister to somebody, to love somebody. And God's looking for us to begin to see and recognize what is this all about? There is a supernatural awakening going on and God cares much more about people than we've ever really understood. Sometimes it, in the, the whirlwind even of, of life and when and God starts to promote you and God starts to do good things, you need to be careful to remind yourself about your why. Because God is looking for us to take full advantage of the life that he's given to us every single day. When you get in a, a taxi and you, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Will I say something or won't I say something? Will I share something or won't I say something? Come back to your why. Why are you here? Why are you following Christ? You're following him because he truly is my life. He's what I live for. He's the one where I found life. 
And he loves me, and he has given me power now to be him, to represent him. So the answer becomes, I must. Not out of an obligation, but out of a heart overflow that says, what right do I have to keep the desire of the nations from this one that I could share the gospel with? If you are actually letting love Love so change you and impact you that you become rooted and grounded in love, then the worry about whether they're going to reject you or um, not like what you have to say becomes less and less important because you're not looking to them for your affirmation. You're not looking to them for your identity. You're not looking for them, to them for your sense of approval. You are already overflowing with the approval of heaven and you get to be free. It is liberty that has set you free to be able to love others without a thought of how they might respond back. It's true love that is able to give without thinking about what it's going to get in return. You know, I think sometimes in our comfortable situation, and I say comfortable situation in that we live in a nation that we are so free. We've got so much liberty. But sometimes we can forget the reality. That people around us, we have no idea how much time they do or don't have. Say, for example, you're in that taxi and you're thinking, will I talk to that person or won't I talk? Do I feel led? Well, God wants us to help to remember that it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And it's not about whether you feel led to be kind or not. You are kindness because God is love. Love is kind and it's no longer you who lives but him who lives in you. Therefore you are kindness. So kindness will inevitably have to overflow and splash out onto them. And the true kindness of God is to offer them life while there is day to offer it. Now, sometimes we get such a distaste about the idea of troubling somebody else, you know, with the message of the gospel. You know, I don't want to bother anybody. I, I want to be known as somebody that's a nice person, that doesn't trouble people, doesn't bother people. And we buy into this mentality that, you know, it's, it's a, you're a better citizen if you just mind your own business in that respect. You don't reach out and tell somebody else about Jesus. The freedom to tell somebody about Jesus is being outlawed in countries around the world, and we still have it. The reason it's being outlawed is because the enemy, the spirit of Antichrist, is terrified of people finding the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to remember, we're not just little Christians doing a nice thing. We actually have the power of God living on the inside of us that can rescue a soul for eternity. If we understood, like David said, Lord, give me a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. If we began to understand that our lives are like a breath, 
And that the person you're talking to may or may not live another day. Then we will begin to view things very differently. If you understand your why. Why am I here? Why am I loving God? Why do I serve God? Why do I make choices to follow Him? The reason is because He is life. He is love. He is my God. If you actually become absorbed in that, it will be just a natural thing to want to step past your comfort zone and into His love for the world around you. It's the only motivation to do what naturally doesn't seem comfortable. You know, Jesus, he did a whole lot of stuff that brought a whole lot of persecution. We live in a day and an age where people are crying out for the love of God. You reach out to pray for somebody here in this nation, I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the time, if it is done in love, you're going to be well received. Because they are crying out to know this one who is love. But the fear, that 10% fear of they mightn't like it or they might they mightn't think well of me, cannot be something that keeps us from stepping out to love them. You know, I pray that God will give us eye salve to really see. You know, in this time where we are living in prosperity in a nation where people are, are not starving. We are, we are blessed. But I don't want to adopt an attitude of I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. I want to adopt an attitude of oh, it's daytime. Let's do the will of the Father while it's still day. Give me myself to see Jesus so that I really can see and be motivated daily by the why. Not motivated by how do I look after myself today? How do I be, you know, uh, what, what's the easiest way to do things? I want to be motivated by the love of God. Hallelujah. And I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to move on people's hearts to begin to wake us up to the reality of why we are here. Why we are serving God. Because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, hope, or imagine. The why for miracles. The why for the power of God. The why to, to manifest him. If we understood it, we would live it on a daily basis. God says that we're called to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Love means giving. It means stepping out to love and to, to, to go past what might seem culturally alright to begin to actually love people with the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. The harvest is ripe, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Father that the Lord would send laborers out. That's his heart. He cares so much more than we've ever understood. I remember years ago praying for one of my children and we were going through such a hard time and uh, she'd left home and I was believing for her to come home. I'd done a room up and 
put a new doona on the bed and I'd get in there every day and I'd cry and I'd pray and I'd cry and I'd pray for her to come home. And the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, as I'm in there crying and praying and believing, he said, you know, I've prepared a room for my lost ones too. You know, sometimes I think we can get so caught up in life as the world has taught us to view it that we actually forget that when you reach out and you talk to somebody about the love that God has for them, we are touching the Father's heart beyond what we could understand. When people would reach out to my daughter while she was away from God, I would take it, I took it so personally. It was as though they had done it to me. Now she's walking with God and I'm so thankful. But I can tell you what it did for my understanding of the Father's heart changed me forever. I've always been an evangelist, wanted to see people come to Christ, but I never really understood and I still would only understand a fraction of the heart that God has for his lost ones. I grieve sometimes at my own blindness as I get glimpses and I begin to see reality from his perspective. And the Lord leads me, and this is not in condemnation, but, but God leads me in times of repentance when I, when I start getting caught back up in the rat race, in the, in the thinking of the world. That even though I live in a church world, my, I'm in ministry, I do it all, but I need the eye salve of the Father to maintain a clear perspective of what it's all about. What are we doing it for? What is the motivation? The motivation is this one who is life. <gasps> he has made me alive. And I carry within me the very source of life, the power of God himself to bring to life for eternity souls around me. Yes. I'm not wanting to heavy you or give you a heavy word. But I want to help you come into a clarity that will give you joy. Because a lot of people, when we get caught up in the muddle of the way of the world's thinking, our spirits are crying out for what they truly want. And until we recognize what our spirit really is longing for, we actually don't walk in the fullness of joy and peace. I like to, when I get a little confused, I like to stop and say, what do I want, God? What do I really want? If I could be given anything in the world, what do I really want? It's a really good question. Because as a believer, as a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit will always help you realize, really, truly come to the realization of what you really, really, really want. You just really want to be in His presence. To be loved by Him. And to be 
who he's called you to be in this earth. That is the light of the world. That's the why. And I encourage you to get alone and ask God about it. Because your spirit, the spirit of God within you yearns jealously to bring you into the fullness of abundant life. The life you were truly created to live. That is, to be loved by him and to, to use the influence that he's given you in the earth to be the light of the world to those around you. To manifest the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Hallelujah. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hallelujah. This is joyful. When you start to step in and just abandon yourself to the kingdom of God, you will find life. For unless a man loses his life, he can't find it. I believe the Holy Spirit is so kindly awakening us to come out of the mud and into the glorious freedom that he has purchased us for. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for liberty and freedom. God, we bless you. We worship you, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we honor you.